It was a summer afternoon in Damascus, and Humam Yusuf was on a picnic with his family outside the city. So we'd drive up to the top of the mountain, and it'd be like a beautiful view over the city of Damascus at night. Um, we'd you know, have our sandwiches, we'd get you know, the blanket out, we'd sit there, it'd be really nice weather, and it'd just feel amazing, we'd all be ha- happy. And then I remember once I just looked up, and I, I think I was probably around, probably around like nine years old. I look up and I see a big billboard of the president's father. Um, just there and it being like some Arabic writing. I can't remember what it said. Probably like, you know, you know, Syria, the great country, something like that. And I just turned to my mom. I don't know why I was thinking about this at the time, but I just turned to my mom or my aunt and I say, why am I not allowed to say anything bad about the president? That was the first time Humam realized there was a difference between his home in Syria and his home in the U.S. My relatives, when they explained it to me, it wasn't my mom. I think it was my aunt who I'm very close with. Um, she just sort of turned to me and said, here in Syria, things are not like they are in America. You can't say these kinds of things or you'll go to jail. And I was like, well, I hear you guys saying it all the time at home, you know. He's like, yeah, that's at home when no one's listening. You can't go around saying this in, in public. So it was just blunt. It was just like, it's not that way over here. That's just not the way it is. Mom was born in the United States, spent his childhood in Syria, and then moved back to the U.S. during elementary school. After that, he and his family would spend every summer with his grandparents in Damascus. I never spent a year of my life up until the recent events where I didn't visit Syria at least once. So a little background. Those recent events he's talking about were a series of protests now known as the Arab Spring. It brought revolution to Libya, Egypt, Tunisia, and several other Arab countries. Many of these initial uprisings broke out against repressive governments, and the Syrian civil war began in the same way in early 2011. At the beginning, it was called the Syrian Revolution. I considered it a revolution. And then it sort of made this transformation from revolution to a war. A war that has displaced millions of Syrians, some to Europe, some even to the U.S., but most end up in refugee camps in neighboring countries, like the Zaatari camp in Jordan, where almost 80,000 refugees now live all of whom need more medical care. My entire life, I've sort of, uh, I mean, I would remember back in third grade, I knew what I wanted to do. There was never in my life a question of, you know, what do I want to be when I grew up? It was always, I want to be a doctor. That was it. Numam has worked to make that dream a reality. He recently got certified nationally as an emergency medical technician and currently works as a part-time EMT in Evansville and a pediatric medical assistant at Riley Physicians. And he just figured out how to help people from Syria. This is the sound of IU students marching in protest outside the sample gates last December. They are protesting Indiana Governor Mike Pence's decision to block all Syrian refugees from settling in Indiana. Humam was there, was inspired by Suzanne Kaumla and the story she told of her time doing humanitarian aid in Syria. She was telling of a, of a story where, I mean, she was holding the, the uh, amputated limbs of a child in her arms and seeing the terrifying looks on the children's faces and their families and uh, her feeling, feeling sort of helpless or what, what could she do um, in that situation. And then in my mind, it was like, well, I want to know what to do in that situation. And so I, that was the, the thought, like, I want to know what to do. <laughs> yeah, I might not know now, but I want to learn. And uh, 
that was that. Her mom comes home a few weeks later and sees his dad watching the news. And I just sort of looked at him and I was like, and he was watching the news in Arabic on the TV. I was like, you know, I want to go. And he's like, go where? I was like, I want to go to a refugee camp and, uh, and sort of work there for the summer. He said, I was going to go in January. Uh, I said, well, can, we should go together. And he said, all right, let's do it. Mom and his dad are now in talks to go on a volunteer mission with the Syrian American Medical Society. If everything works out, they'll be going to a refugee camp in either Jordan, Lebanon, or Turkey for two weeks over the summer. SAMS has treated 1.4 million patients in Syria and in surrounding countries like Jordan and Turkey. They support field hospitals and surgical centers, as well as provide needed medical supplies and equipment to those in need. He showed me a promotional video created by the group. So this is, I think they believe this is Jordan, actually. Mm -hmm. Let me see here. Yeah. Yeah, Zatari camp. That's the famous um, refugee camp. Um, it's massive the on the Syrian Jordan border. has displaced millions. The UN says it's the worst humanitarian crisis in nearly 20 years. Since the spring of 2011, more than 4 million Syrians have fled their shattered country. This is the president of SAMS. We are watching a humanitarian tragedy unfold before our eyes. I know there's a huge crisis on us. She's a SAMS worker. Honestly, I feel like whatever I'll be doing, they'll probably involve some kids because, believe it or not, at the Zatari camp, they're actually like new generations of children that were born at the camp and that are probably going to be living out their beginning years there, which is incredibly sad. Um, but there are kids that, that, a lot of kids that need taken care of. Um, I hope to just be involved in really anything. Like, honestly, I would not care. Like I mentioned earlier, I would do anything there. Um, but working with kids would definitely be a privilege just because just because of the nature of, of, of these kids. I mean, Syrian kids are the most adorable, the most kind kids in the world. <laughs> Notice they have an interventional cardiologist. That's pretty amazing. So these people will, will take patients who are actively having a heart attack and insert catheters into their arteries and, uh, and remove the, the, the blockages. And that's insane that they can provide this in such a place. Like, look right there. There's an angiogram. And she just, did you see the blockage? And, and she just went in and she put a stent and, and removed the blockage. Like, these services are like top of the notch services, top of the line um, medical care that are, that's being provided in this kind of camp. To be a passive observer, so I signed up to join the SAMS mission. I didn't know what to expect. But See, what I she just mentioned there was a big thing for me, being a passive observer. So for the past couple of years, I've just been sort of seeing things play out and talking to myself and thinking to myself about it. Um, and now I have a chance to actually do something. He'll join the ranks of hundreds of other doctors who have come over to help, but it comes at a risk. Physicians for Human Rights has recorded the deaths of almost 700 medical personnel since March of 2011. I looked at a map on their website tracking attacks on medical workers, and it's a frightening amount of attacks on hospitals. Mom knows about this danger, though. You know, you're going to help Syrian people, but also there are people who want you dead <laughs> um, for helping your fellow Syrian people. Um, that is scary, um, but I think the benefits far outweigh the risks. And he's realized there's not much separating him from those Syrians in need. There's always this thought in my mind that's going, well, what if my father didn't leave Syria? What if he chose not to leave Syria and go to medical school in the United States? 
what if we would have remained there? I could be these people. For Humam, the thought of not only going to the refugee camps, but going with his father to help people in need has got him counting down to when he can finally go back. It's almost like an excitement I'd get, like, school's out, I want to go, and I want to, you know, go on vacation. It's Of course, it's not going to be a vacation, but it's that same sort of excitement that would, you know, that's been keeping me up at night or that I've been dozing off and thinking about in class. Mom doesn't know exactly what he'll be doing, but he's ready for anything. Literally anything I could do. Like, there's no task I could be given there where I'd be like, no, I'm above that. I mean, if I had to change bedpans or something, I would take, I would do that with pride. For American Student Radio, I'm Sophia Salaby.